Good morning. It is a beautiful day. God paints it good, doesn't he? <laughs> um, it's awesome. Let's just, let's just worship him in prayer, okay? Lord, we are just so in awe of your creation. And just thinking about all the stuff that's coming out and flowering, the flowers, the trees, um, new life. It's amazing. Um, and so, Lord, we just, we just want to acknowledge you as the creator of all things. Um, we're here because you've made us. And, Lord, help us to, if we're not already, get in alignment with you. And to um, learn your design, your purpose for our lives. Even know your design for marriage and um, for singleness and um, for work. God, we want to we want to uh, just step in to your will. We want to do your will, knowing that. You have created us to do that. You've created us to know you. And so, Lord, we want to know you today, God, through your spirit and your word. So, Lord, we ask that you would come and speak to our hearts this morning. Whatever's concerning us, maybe there's some health concerns or just things kind of just subconsciously kind of just ruminating there that are distracting us. We're having a hard time trusting, trusting you, Lord. Just help us to lay that down right now and, and to just simply have an ear to you. Lord, just to help us to calm our hearts this morning. And Lord, Thank you for the fellowship that we have in you, that everyone that's here and online or that has put their faith in you, we have that common bond. We have a fellowship in the Spirit. And so, Lord, use the gifts today. Use the various gifts of people um, before, during, and after the service. Lord, we just want to be used by you. And we want to minister to one another. Lord, we just, uh, I just ask you that you would fill me this morning and help me to accurately convey your truth. Lord, thank you that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And you've done this so that we could be equipped for every good work. And so, Lord, help me to do my job well. Help us all to receive it as what it is, the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a couple quick of annou quick announcements here, I forgot. Um, it's just if you're interested in signing up for church announcements, to get those by email, send us an email at info at darbycreek.org and just tell us uh, what email address you'd like us to sign up for you receiving those. Um, we'd be happy to add you to that list. And then uh, just one last reminder, leaders meeting next week. Uh, after service, and I'll remind our leaders, kind of, I gave you an assignment. Um, it's actually fairly simple, but I'll, I want to mention it again, because if you haven't thought about it, I encourage you. We asked our, I asked our leaders to kind of think about their ministry area or their small group, if they're a small group leader, and kind of dream a little bit. 
kind of, you know, what would you like to see happen in that ministry area, uh, in that small group, and, and then how could our leadership team support you in that? So, um, uh, so if you haven't given much thought to it, leaders, uh, you got a week, you know, uh, pray about it, you know, and share your heart with us at the next meeting, and we're going to spend some time praying together. All right, so uh, we're starting a new series uh, this week on the book of Job, and um, it's, this, is quite, uh, this is quite the book, really. I mean, um, I don't know when the last time you read through any portion of the book of Job, uh, but it's, it's an interesting um, thing that happens to this man, Job, and um, there's so much in it, really. I mean, certainly most people, when they think of it, they think of, you know, you learn about suffering and what God's purposes might be in suffering and that kind of thing. But we learn a lot about God in the book of Job. Uh, you see what some, a picture of what something that's happening in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. We see that. Um, we see how not to give uh, encouragement to those that are suffering. Uh, there's lots of dialogue that... Uh, you know, we, we learn about, and then Job's responses to that, and then the Lord God's response to his friends and to Job. Uh, and then there's kind of a conclusion, but, but it's just really an interesting book. Um, we're, we're not going to be doing this verse by verse. Um, you know, it's not that I have a problem doing that, but I don't know that we all have the patience to do that, because this is like 40-something chapters, Right? Um, especially in the dialogue sections in the middle. So I'll take those dialogue sections in the middle. We'll kind of extract and look at some, some verses, yes, but not going through that entire thing. Um, and I'm not like, you know, dissing the Word of God. I'm just saying just more from, pre- from a preaching standpoint, it makes sense to kind of do it this way. Um, so so this, is, this is where we're headed. And... Um, this morning, uh, if you're able to, we're, we're just going to meet Job today. We're kind of going to look, uh, the first five verses just kind of give us a glimpse into his character, who he is and all that, give you a little bit of background too, uh, that'll help us also. So if you're able to, why don't you stand for the reading of the Word of God, as is our habit here, um, just um, in honor, honoring this for what it is, the Word of God. So let's read it together, all right? Let's read it together out loud. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. So, before we kind of look at those first five verses, I just want to uh, mention some information about kind of the background of this. Um, 
And it's because there's a lot of questions come up, you know, who is Job and, you know, what is the time period in which Job is kind of uh, set and so on. But it's, uh, and this is like you're coming to uh, a conclusion based on some facts. Because what we don't have in the book of Job, like we have a lot in Old Testament books, is, you know, uh, Job was the son of, and, you know, or, and this person was the king during that time. So you don't have a lot of those things to, to kind of anchor in history. But I think there's enough there in the book that kind of tells us that, that he was probably a contemporary, and I kind of use that loosely, of Abraham, kind of in the, in the patriarch period, okay? Um, and the, here's the reason why. You'll see that uh, it mentions that, uh, you know, what he had in terms of flocks and herds. It doesn't say anything about gold or silver or things like that. You would see like in the time of Solomon and King David or whatever. And so it's likely it was before them, okay? And then uh, he offered sacrifices without the aid of a priest. Um, you know, again, maybe makes you think pre-law, um, although... It's not necessarily, Job doesn't necessarily have, have to have been a Hebrew, okay? Um, so, uh, and then he interacted with historical people like the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, and that would have been kind of patriarchal period. So, all of that, you know, when you read the book of Job, you just kind of think, put those pieces together and think, he may have well been a contemporary uh, of Abraham. All right, now, um, uh, Job is not fiction. And some people kind of put him out there as, you know, this is kind of an outlandish story, um, especially in the first couple of chapters. This thing is happening up in heaven. You know, they kind of think that that's more fiction. Um, but Job was a real man. And a couple of references, if you, if you look in James chapter 5, verse 11, it mentions him as someone to imitate, as if he were a historical person. Like it talks about the steadfastness of Job. Um, James lifts him up as an example, the steadfastness of Job. Um, and then in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, chapter 14, verse 14, it mentions Job as one of three people along with Noah and Daniel. Real people, okay? Uh, not fictitious characters, and so... It just seems obvious, and plus there's no, there's no um, I don't think there's any inclination in the writing that it's meant to be just a story, you know, or some big long parable. Um, certainly we can learn from it, and that's, that's our task, you know, also. But, but just the fact that you, you, you can rest assured Job was a real person who lived, okay, and uh, again, we likely a patriarch um, uh, kind of contemporary there uh, in the time of Abraham. Now, um, the author of Job is not named. So we don't really know who wrote the book. Some people attribute it to Moses, thinking, that, okay, because it was that he was uh, a contemporary maybe of Abraham, that, so they're thinking maybe it was Moses. But the author never names himself. Okay, so we, we don't really know. Um, now, a little bit about the structure. I kind of mentioned this kind of just verbally before, but here you could see it. So the first part here is we learn about Job and what happened to him, right? So chapter 1, verse 1 to 2 to 10. Um, so this would be like if you're outlining and you kind of see the different chunks. And then you've got the largest chunk of Job is Job's friends and their, com their quote, conversations. <laughs> it's really more being talked at. 
Um, and then, of course, Job has some responses, and, and God's involved uh, there and res- responds as well in, in those some of those conversations. So that's uh, chapter 2, verse 11 through 30, chapter 31. So you see that's a lot of the book. And then uh, the answers to Job, and this is God coming back, uh, and God has his day here in, in uh, the latter part of this dialogue, and, and we'll learn a lot about God uh, in his response there. And then kind of the conclusion uh, happens there in the last chapter, and we see how Job responds after all of this, all of him trying to figure out why is this happening his friends giving him the input as to why they think this is hap- these things are happening to him and his family. And, and um, you know, I know we're not on the dialogue part, but if, um, if you've ever raised children uh, and taken them to the store when they're young, everybody has an idea about how you ought to parent. Okay? Have you ever encountered that where people just say, well, you know, if your child's crying or something like that, and you know why they are. And, uh, but somebody else really knows why they are, you know, I feel like they just, they just kind of feel like they kind of know it, you know, they know how it is. And I just think about Job's friends being like that. They kind of think they have a corner on what's going on, but they don't know. They don't know, you know? All right. So, uh, so that kind of gives us just a little bit of the background here, um, and so these, these opening verses in Job really set the stage for the rest of the book. So that's why we're going to kind of just dedicate one message to kind of looking at Job and what it tells us of him in the beginning, what kind of man he is, is, is critical for us to understanding the book. Um, and uh, that the first uh, verse really does tell us a lot about him. Let's re- remember what the first verse says. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Uh, the land of Uz, by the way, we didn't mention this, it's, um, it's, the best guess is it's, it's somewhere east of uh, Israel, okay? East of the promised land. And uh, Lamentations also uh, links it with um, the area of Edom and the Edomites. So that's... That's our best location, okay, when it mentions the land of us, all right? Now, um, let's, let's look at these words that are used to describe Job, all right? And so this, uh, this word here, blameless, right, really indicates to us that, that Job uh, was a person of integrity. He was a man of integrity, um, and... Uh, you know, by the way, it doesn't mean that he was perfect. Okay, it does not. This word blameless does not mean that he was sinless. He he in no way portrays himself as a sinless man. He brings up his own sin and the sin of his youth in other parts of Job, and so he, he he's not claiming he's never sinned. All right, so we need to realize when when the word of God tells us that he was a blameless man, just it means this. Uh, when you think of a person of integrity, you should think of someone who is genuine and authentic. Genuine and authentic. In other words, what's on the outside is what's on the inside. Okay, that's what integrity means. Okay, um, and so um, when I think of a person of integrity and a person who's a Christian who's a person of integrity, uh, there's a couple of passages that come to my mind. Um, and that is 
Because I'm assuming we all want to be people of integrity if we're followers of Jesus. Okay, so Joshua 24:14. I don't have it up on the screen here, but it says says this, and this is kind of like as Joshua has gathered the people of Israel, and he's kind of they're kind of recommitting themselves. And uh, here's what it says. He says to them. He says in Joshua 24:14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity. And in faithfulness, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So Joshua is exhorting the people of God to serve the Lord with a sincere heart. In other words, you're not kind of pretending, um, you know, kind of just having an outward facade of, um, you know, all is well or that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing these outward things that you would think that. Uh, God and I are just clicking and we're tight, okay? Um, not pretending. Um, so in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to religious leaders kind of on this idea of integrity. Um, and, uh, and they were so focused, these religious leaders, were so focused on external things, right? Getting all the little things you know, tithing the dill and their mint and everything in their gardens and, you know, all down to the finer things of the law. And, of course, um, to uh, interpret the law, of course, they added their own extra bits to the law. That's an understatement. It wasn't bits. It was like an extra 600 commands or so, something like that. Ridiculous. Talk about a heavy burden. Um, and, and so just, so they were about this outward um, display of righteousness, okay? And certainly doing things and that are outward, it's not a, it's not a problem, but, but Jesus is, is really going to call them out here in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, and so he's quoting Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's what I was talking about, you know, the, the addition of these other commandments that they had come up with. Um, and so, um, you know, that's a challenge, isn't it? Um, when we hear Jesus say that these people honor, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And, you know, that's, uh, to me, when I read that, it kind of invites kind of a little, it's a self-examination. Say, you know, is my heart far from God, but I'm kind of playing church and playing like everything's fine? Um, you know, and so only you can answer that question. And um, if you find yourself, you know, having that outward thing, but your heart is not in it, then the first thing would be to, to turn to God, to, to tell Him, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of pretending that. I, I need to repent of that and turn to you and ask you to change my heart. Right? Ask you to change my heart. And so um, if that's where you are today, you just need to have an honest time with God. And, um, and maybe beyond that, maybe that involves uh, inviting some trusted friends into your life and having that conversation and say, you know, I've kind of been putting it on as if things were all together, but it's not. I need your help. I need your prayers. And that takes humility. 
But that really is the path uh, to integrity. It really is. Okay? Um, we tend to think that it's a very shameful thing to, um, to confess to someone. Um, but it really is the, the start of healing in so many ways. It's just to confess, and agree, you know, which just means, biblically means to agree with God that something's not right, right, or you've done something that's not right. And, so, um, and, and then just to, to, to confess that to others and, and ask for their help. Um, and so when I just think of this whole area that Job was an example in. This, he is a man of integrity, person of integrity. This word blameless really focuses in on that. His insides matched his outsides. Okay? And may that be true of us. May God help us by the power of his spirit to do that. So here he was, a man of integrity. And then uh, secondly, we see a word about how he treated other people. How he treated other people in that verse 1 where it says he was upright. That word is typically used of how we treat other people, okay? How we treat other people. And, 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 and Job is a man who treated others uh, justly and rightly. And so he's called an upright man, all right? So here we have he's blameless, he's an upright man. And then we get to uh, verse 3, Job feared God. It says, it says one who feared God. I was listening to a podcast while I was mowing yesterday, and um, uh, it was was, uh, the the topic was um, I think this guy was being interviewed for his book. He he had written a book. I think I don't know what the title was. If it was like nobody talks about sin anymore or something like that. And um, he mentioned that you know it used to be, of course, language changes over time. uh, I understand that, but he said it used to be that you know. Um, people would refer to somebody who was kind of serious about their faith as a God-fearing person, a God-fearing person, you know. And uh, he said, nobody does that anymore. Um, uh, and so I think he was just lamenting a little bit uh, that almost like society's given that a negative connotation, to be fearful of God, to be a God-fearing person. Um, now, uh, biblically speaking, that's uh, being a uh, uh, having the fear of God is is healthy. It's God wants us to be focused on Him and what He cares about, not about what other people care about. Um, that's part of being a person who's God fearing. Is I, I care more about what God says about me and what I'm doing than what you care. What, or what you say about what I'm doing or, or what, I'm, what, I, what I am. That's, and that's, uh, you like to have friends that it matches up, you know, <laughs> that you have friends that reinforce your, that you're fearing God, right? Um, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way what it was to fear God. I don't know if you recall his scenario, but he was very prideful, and uh, he learned the hard way, right? Um, and sometimes, um, if we're not fearing God in our lives, He will, uh, by His providence and sovereign hand, bring things into our lives that humble us. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I've seen anybody running around like an animal and eating grass like Nebuchadnezzar had to, but uh, there are nonetheless very humbling circumstances that God can 
bring into our lives uh, because he loves us and because we're not having the proper fear of God. Now, the book of Job is placed in this category of Scripture called wisdom literature, right? along with Proverbs and so on, right? um, Song of Solomon, uh, and so on, uh, Ecclesiastes, those, those wisdom, that wisdom category. And I just find it interesting that it mentions of Job that he's, he's a God-fearing person. Because uh, if you know your Proverbs, right? It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Proverbs 9, 10. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight, right? Um, and we know that the wisdom of God is Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. And so, as followers of Jesus, right, we need to have that fear of the Lord, right? And, and um, you know, it is, it is, it's a... It's a reverence for God and His commands and His, his uh, ways. Um, and as Charlie mentioned, you know, when you know Christ as Savior, when, when we obey the Lord, it's not like we're earning His, his favor or love, right? We, we're accepted fully into the beloved. We're, you know, as, as believers in Jesus, once you put your faith in Christ and you transfer your trust to Him fully, uh, as a believer, um, you're accepted completely. Um, so it's not about earning his love. It's about kind of responding, in a sense, to his love. It's responding to his love and, and seeing that our Heavenly Father, um, he always is wanting to do us good, and he'll never ask us to do something that's not for our good. Okay? Now, uh, we there are many things that we will go through in this life that will challenge that truth. And, and um, Job is about to enter into it, um, you know, asking lots of questions. Why is this happening? Right? And I'm sure that there are those of us sitting here now who have had some uh, incredible tragedies and difficulties uh, in our lives uh, to this point. Maybe even just saying, God, I don't know why, right? I don't know why this is happening. And really, I think the big thing about fearing God and when we encounter those situations is we have to cast ourselves on, on God's Word, the truth of God's Word, okay? And, and certainly, cry out to God. Certainly, tell Him uh, your heart and what's going on there. But... Um, you know, don't just put on a shirt that says, you know, keep calm and carry on. You know, you need to hang on to the Word of God, okay? And Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, and, and is a, a beloved section of verses for many, because usually when you're going through just gut-wrenching things, times of difficulty, maybe questioning what's going on and why it's going on, and you're trying to figure it out, uh, many people land here in, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Right? And, and just even that, that first sentence is maybe just what somebody needs to hear today. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. It's okay to mull it around, and, and, and it's, it's 
we're human beings, we try to like fit things together and see what might be the cause of something or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there are situations we will go through we will not understand. We, we, we will not get a reason, okay? Other than a sovereign God has allowed this to happen in my life. And his hand, nothing happens that is not filtered through his hand. I mean, because if we don't believe that, then we, have a, we believe in a God who's not really in control. He's really not all-powerful, okay? If we don't believe that, okay? Um, so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Isn't that the fear of the Lord? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him at work. Acknowledge him as you're talking to your spouse or your friend or your children. Acknowledge him in all your ways. I was observed in my classroom uh, last week. I knew I got to pick the day they're coming. Thank goodness. Because some days are just bad days. I mean, and not just like having a bad day. I mean, like you're given a test. That's not a good day to observe. Right? Greg did nothing. Right? I mean, that's just a bad day to observe. So, so they picked the day. And so um, uh, it just, uh, and, and, and the, I had the most gracious person observing me. Uh, her name is Amy Hatfield, and uh, she is one of the lead instructors for my course. And, but I was very aware of her presence. Okay. First of all, I only had six students. Okay, this class at the Dublin uh, Regional Learning Center can have some smaller classes. And so, um, and a few had to make, make it through. That happens. We, you know, things happen. And so, so there, I, got, I got six students that day. And uh, so she's hearing every word I say, to, and this is a collaborative learning environment, and so they're at tables, and so I'm going around the tables and trying to facilitate their learning there and all that. And it was a great day, but this made me think about that. In all your ways, acknowledge them. I was acknowledging Amy in all my ways that day, okay? I was just aware of her presence. Does that make sense? You know? Uh, and it wasn't an unhealthy thing. I wanted to do things the right way, and hopefully I do them the right way when she's not present, right? Um, so, and then it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh. Now, you know, that's why I say this, this verse may be for someone today because, again, you're, you've got something going on. You don't understand it. You're trying to figure it out. And God says, uh, there might not, you're not going to get maybe the reason, but just trust me, go all in with me, know my heart for you, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's so refreshing when you can let something completely in God's hands. It's so refreshing. It's hard, again, because this thing that you're experiencing, it could be painful for you, painful for someone else. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You just fill in the blank with your circumstance that is difficult. But just know this, that the fear of the Lord really comes down to trusting in him with all your heart, not leaning on your understanding, and following his ways as you do that. Amen? That's what it is. And Job feared God. Job feared God. Could you advance that slide for me? 
or maybe it did. And did. Oh, it did. It just, did you just shoot my iPad? No, sorry. That's the prank. I don't mean that literally. Sorry. <laughs> That's what's not working. It's advancing up here. Okay, so, um, so Job lived a life of repentance. Where are we getting that? Well, in the first, again, this is all verse 1, right? It says here that uh, he turned away from evil. That's repentance. Like, uh, again, we mentioned earlier that he's not a perfect man. He's not denying that he has ever sinned. There was only one perfect man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, right? But when Job was confronted with his sin, he, you know, with his sin, he's, he's a guy that repents and turns away from it. That, that's what it means, that he, he turned away from evil. And uh, for, as followers of Jesus, this reminds me, we need to do the same thing, right? And when we see that we're caught up in something that's not right or a way of thinking, uh, for me the other, way I was just, uh, the other day I was just having a really bad attitude about something, and, and God just like stopped me in my tracks and just like, Greg, you need to repent, man. Your, your attitude stinks like Limburger cheese, man. I mean, it's just like, get, get, get it right. And so I did by God's grace. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Um, and so... You know, when we're, again, um, to turn away from evil, when we find ourselves caught up in sin of some kind, right? The Lord wants us to, you know, as believers, yes, we're forgiven, but, but there is this relational rift between us and God. We're still in the family, but there's this relational rift between us and God that needs to be taken care of. And, of course, maybe, the, maybe the, that thing that you're caught in is also affecting someone else directly, and that's something that needs to be taken care of first, but first with God. Do business with God. Uh, confess, right? Uh, again, confess means agree with God. Call it like it is. Call it like it is. You know, real confession is really just going to get specific, right? Get specific about it. Let's say what it is. So Job was a good example of just living a life of repentance, and and this is the life of a believer, right? As we 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 we're still walking in the world, we where our you know our we're still what the Bible would, well, I guess not the Bible doesn't use this phrase, but the concept, indwelling sin, there's still, uh, even though I've, I've been saved from the penalty of my sin, and, and now I have the Holy Spirit, and I, I have, uh, uh, sin has been dealt a death blow in terms of uh, how it's control in my life, but I still sin, and we need to, um, when we're aware of that, we need to confess that to God. And he's faithful and just, it says, to forgive us. So, and then um, this, this statement that Job is a great man. Job is a great man. Uh, well, if you take a look back in verses uh, uh, 2 and 3, I'm going to turn to face it because this is not matching yet. So it says, there were, uh, there were born to him seven sons and three daughters, right? And that says, he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. All right, so it even just uses that word, the greatest. <laughs> I think of Muhammad Ali, but this guy seems to be humbler than that, from what I recall, um, just from the statements I've seen. Okay, uh, I know he's, uh, anyway won't go into that anymore. 
But uh, he always said, I'm the greatest, right? All right, so, um, but Job was a great man. I mean, he had, he, he was wealthy. Uh, again, by, by the standards of the time, he is just, the guy's got great wealth. He's got a great family, right? If you think back to uh, what the scripture says here, uh, I don't have it up there. But let's take a look at it. Psalm 127, let me make my way there. The one, Psalm 127. In verses 3 to 5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children's children of one's youth. Uh, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so Job's quiver was full. He had ten kids, uh, and he has... And so he basically, if you, if you kind of... Make a list of the things, you know, the most successful time people, you know, in this time would be, they've got a lot of kids, okay, and they got a lot of cows and sheep, you know. You know, it's, it's kind of like the Rockefeller, you know, back in the day, okay. Um, um, or Bill Gates or the owner of Amazon, to bring it up to date, okay. Some of you are like, Rockefeller who? Um, so, serious, like, I got this look like, hmm. Don't know that Rockefeller, okay? <laughs> Jeff Bezos, right? There we go. Okay, gotcha. So it had all this stuff, uh, great wealth, great family, and um, you know, it's just—I mean, it was a blessing. And the guy's great character, right? Man of God, fearing the Lord, all those qualities that we've gone over, and he's just got the full package. And when I read that. And I come to that verse, I'm thinking, um, is that how the world works? Is that how God's world works? In other words, you have the character, you have the blessing. It's a question. It's a question that's going to come to Job. It's a question that's going to come to his, that his friends are going to throw out there. I mean, certainly, if bad stuff's going to happen to you, you did something bad. Why, why do we think the reverse is true? If all this good's happened to you, you must have done something good. Okay, now I, I get the fact that, you know, wisdom literature in the Scripture in Proverbs really does give us a, um, uh, like a condition and then a con- you know, consequence or a reward, you know. And, and that, so, you know, in God's world, he's, those are kind of principles, right? Uh, you, so I think you need to read your Bible right with wisdom literature, right? They're, they're not ironclad promises. They're principles of life. Because let me tell you what. The time that one of your kids stops following Jesus, and I hope that's not true, and stuff, they start picking a road, that is like you know it's going off a cliff and you can't do a thing about it? You're thinking wrongly about the verses that say, you know, um, what, is it, what is it, the verse I'm thinking of that? What's that? Yeah, raise a child on the way you go and will never depart from it. That's a principle, okay? That's a principle, okay? There's no parent that's perfect, for sure, right? If you think you are, 
You come on up. You know, uh, you take my place. Okay, nobody does it perfectly. But I'm just saying, those are principles. Certainly, you want to give your child a good trajectory to follow Jesus and to know Jesus, okay? Um, I picked that one. But I'm just saying, you got to, again, because um, you know what happens? There'll be people who crash and burn on that verse, they'll chuck their faith. And certainly, you know, um, you know, I, I, I kind of got on a, a rabbit trail here, but, you know, there's, there's time for people to repent and so on, and I get that. But I'm just saying, it's not on you, right? Your kids have a free will, okay? But you, what you're supposed to do is kind of, by God's grace, you do your part, you set them up, you tee it up, and then you'll, you'll send them off. Or arrows, we'll go with that. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, you've got to do your part, and you pray through that, right? You, you, you just totally rely on God, and then you just got to let the arrow fly, man. <laughs> and then you just keep praying, you keep loving, and I don't know why I'm talking about parenting today, but, but it just, I think of that as the, 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 the thing that people, they claim that verse as an ironclad promise, okay? And it kind of totally disregards uh, free will, okay? Um, and, and so, uh, so please don't think I'm lessening the Word of God, okay, by saying that, because it, it, it's like you, re, you have to read the different types of literature the way they're in the Scriptures, the way they're intended to, okay? If you don't, you're going to get in trouble, okay? Um, so, and that's wisdom literature is that way, Um. All right, so there's a great man. So I guess this kind of this this kind of point here just this leads me to that question. The question that I think probably most people have is like, wow, maybe that prosperity gospel is true. This guy is a great guy, you know. He's got he look he's got this quiver full. He's got his bank account full, and, it, and it's probably just it's because he's got the fear of God. Maybe I just don't have enough of the fear of God in me. Maybe, you know what I mean? So you start going down that road, and it's just, that's not true, okay? But what I'm just saying, this, this, when you read this, you kind of, just people wonder. Okay, uh, lastly here, we see that Job had a, uh, a sensitive conscience. He had a sensitive conscience. Now, um, let's take a look here in verses 4 and 5. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. Maybe it was their birthday. Maybe they just set up rotating events. I don't know. but And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and, and cons- send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be, that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Um, and I, I just love this, that Job just was so concerned for his children. Um, and, and almost like operating as the, you know, the, the head of his family and uh, almost like a, uh, providing a priestly-like service. But he's like, I hope my kids during this time, because, you know, 
this even disappoints the fact that since it's not in behavior, it's in our hearts, right? It's just like if they have cursed God, even in their hearts, maybe they wouldn't ever do it in front of their dad with their lips or with their behavior, but maybe in their hearts. And so it's like, so he basically is, is, is having an offering right there um, just as an act of um, before the Lord. And again, this is, this is presumably before any kind of system of, of sacrifice was being had, right? But there was, and, and you know that this was really weighing heavy on his heart because it says he got up early in the morning. You know, if, you know there's a lot of, there's, there's this, this um, gathering and this, this celebration that's going on for presumably several days or whatever, and, and then at the end, the very next morning, in the morning, he's gathering them all together. He's showing them the importance of having a right heart before God. Even, even after they left and had their families, you know, uh, this was what a great example um, we have here of him just having a interceding for his children. And, and I just think it's just a, it's a, it's just a great example, right? Um, how he's just praying for, and in, in this case, you know, making an offering for them. Um, now, um, speaking of uh, this, this idea of a, of a priest, right? Him kind of offering, because, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, after the law was instituted, right, the high priest played a key role in that system, right, for the Israelites. He was the intercessor between God and his people, right? Acting as their representative before God. And the priest offered sacrifices and gifts on behalf of the people to reconcile them to God. Right? That's, that's the system that was set up. And, and um, then you fast forward to the New Testament. And we see, uh, you know, in the, I've heard this said many times, and I, I agree with it, that you know, the New Testament is best read looking backward to the Old Testament because it fills in so many of the gaps of what's understanding of what's going on. Because as our great high priest, right, Jesus uh, doesn't just fulfill the priestly role in that system, he actually supersedes it with greater and an eternal priesthood. Right? And that was the point of Hebrews, right? The book of Hebrews is, um, you know, the whole thing is that Jesus, Jesus is greater than fill in the blank. Anything in the Old Testament that pointed to his coming and his, and his purpose, Jesus is the reality and greater than that. Okay? That's a, just a quick summary of the book of Hebrews, right? But so when I see Job doing this for his family and praying for them and offering a, a sacrifice, I can't help but think about um, Jesus, right? And he is uh, our great high priest. And he is the one, right, who has passed through the heavens, and he is at the right hand of God. And he, as we just, uh, as we just uh, went through Holy Week, we know that he offered himself up as the sacrifice, and he himself is the priest. I mean, that's, not, that's better than any priest, right? There's no priest in the Old Testament offered themselves up and was, was the priest, right? Jesus was that, right? Jesus accomplishes the work of reconciling us to God. He is the one whose perfect righteousness is represented to the Father for our justification, right? 
And so, so just um, this morning, as we as we come to a close here, and we just we pray, let's just ask God um, to help us to, to. I mean, really, I mean, thus far we see Job's character. Lord, I'm like, make me like him. <laughs> make me more like him. You know, just reflective of of our Savior and character, but. But but not only that, but also just let's thank God for Jesus, our high priest, who has made the perfect sacrifice for our sins for all time. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we we are come to you this morning um, amazed that this exemplary man, though not perfect, was blameless and upright, who feared you and turned away from evil. Father, help us. Help us to pursue you like he did. Help us to have a sensitive conscience like he did before you. Um, And even to have a sensitive heart in caring for others in a healthy way um, that that he would be concerned for his children. And so, Lord, we come before you and just ask that you would, by your spirit, transform us. it starts in our mind, we know, it says according to Romans chapter 12, that uh, we need to have the renewing of our mind. Of course, we need your spirit, and we do have it if we put our faith in you. But by your spirit and through the renewing of our mind, um, transform us. Help us to treat others justly and fairly and to think honoring right thoughts about them. Um, help us to be upright like Job was. Lord, help us to be people of integrity. What you see is what you get. Lord, help us to trust in you and not lean on our understanding and therefore fearing you. And Lord, if any of us be caught in any sin, Lord, let us by your grace, turn from it, repent of it, and turn to you. Knowing, knowing that First John 1 John 1.9 is true for believers. Lord, help us to continue to worship you here as we sing these last few songs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.